Welcome to the Stronger Than Steel podcast with your host, Austin Davidson and John Keir, talking Steelers all the time. Now, here's Austin and John. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Stronger Than Steel podcast, hosted by myself, John Keir, and my good buddy, Austin Davidson. It's season six, episode 35. The Pittsburgh Steelers improved to 5-3 and three on the season, winning their fourth straight game in a Monday night, I don't know if you'd call it thriller, but a close Monday night victory over the Chicago Bears. Uh, as I said, the team winning its fourth straight game, now solely in second place in the AFC North division. As we move towards uh, another yeah. another game against ugly an wins NFC opponent, wins. the Steelers. Ugly losses, so. You know? They keep reeling off wins, and they did so once again in ugly fashion. But I feel like we're a broken record because we kept saying this uh, down the stretch last year too, but a win is a win. And this game obviously has a lot that needs to be gotten to in terms of the way it was officiated, the way both teams tended to make mistakes for themselves, and for Pittsburgh's end, a hot start going cold, the defense kind of falling apart in the second half, the special teams mistakes, special teams, great play out of special teams, namely the kicker. This game really had it all, and of course it was topped off by one of those lovely taunting penalties that all fans have clearly been asking for for years because how much better is the league with them than without them? But we have plenty of time to get to all of that, Austin. But I guess the most important thing, like we've been saying, is the Steelers won this game 29-27. to And despite where we thought this team was after losing to the Bengals and losing to the Packers, just how bad this team was, we were saying and thinking... Maybe this is a five-win team, maybe at best six wins. And here here we are, as surprising as it is, they are at five wins right now. And they're setting themselves up in a position where if they win against the 0-8 Detroit Lions a week from today, well, not a week from today, but a week from uh, Sunday, they will yeah, only have only to go 4-4 four four so, over their final so eight games to, to finish with a double-digit win season. A leader it in seems just insane to me that that's the case, but... Week. Once with again, Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger, the Pittsburgh then, Steelers, they uh, found a way, the even Bengals minus and all Bra- the style points. And Raiders losing as well, then the um, uh, Bengals and Browns losing, and then Baltimore was so close to losing. Push it to overtime, that would have put the Steelers in first in the division. Uh, they they knocked out, but the Steelers were so close Raiders. to almost leading the, the AFC North and being not even the fourth seed for a uh, division leader because uh, they would have the tiebreaker over the... Uh, Buffalo Bills based on obviously week one but yeah so kind of crazy stuff that's going on in the NFL oh the Browns beat the Browns beating the Bengals was helpful I'm sorry yeah You said the Bengals and Browns. Did you mean one of the, you know, the Browns? Yeah, almost didn't everything mean the that Chargers? needed to happen happened. It was close with the Ravens, just not close enough. But the Steelers get. Did still you mean the Chargers? Shot at punching uh, the Ravens I think they so. won though, but uh, they haven't been Fine. smooth sailing either. This was a good week for the Steelers, I guess. Is the whole point of all of this? 
Sure, yeah, we can talk about the uh, rest of the NFL first. Do you want to get into the slate of NFL, what happened this past week, since it technically happened first, since this was the final game of the week? Okay, then. So, we already recapped what happened last Thursday night between the Colts and Jets uh, to teams in different spots in the AFC at this point. And uh, beyond that, obviously, you just talked about the Browns and Bengals, probably the... I don't know if you'd call it super surprising, but the AFC North has been certainly a mixed bag so far. The Bengals crushed the Ravens, and now the Browns, after uh, losing to the Steelers in close fashion, just dumped the Bengals in similar fashion. In fact, if the Bengals had scored one more point, it would have been identical scores to what the Bengals did to the Ravens. But this time it was the Browns doing it to the Bengals, who yes, had dropped a disappointing game to the Jets the week before, but we're still thought of as maybe a, a potential front runner. But I, I don't know that I necessarily have changed my opinion on the Bengals. And I, I do think that they're a better team, but I think this is just, yeah, that's these happen. are the things that a young team uh, like the this, Bengals has to work itself basically through. Basically, when, as, I, when as soon as the Browns kind of Odell similar Beckham, to the way I they were like in the, the mid-2000s when they were kind of starting off. I know it was around. like a common narrative. I still think this like, is a talented Baker team, pissed but off. He's they doubted. He's are dealing with setbacks. Really, the numbers just point to Baker Mayfield playing better when Odell Beckham Jr. is not there. And what do you know? Nick Chubb's back. Baker Mayfield's playing better. Uh, at the, this, I saw. I didn't think... I, I thought this would be a closer game, but yeah, I, I I felt like... I felt good about the Browns winning this game. As did I, and I think Baker Mayfield had just one incomplete pass in the first half, and it just started kind of strange because the Browns didn't touch the ball for an early portion of the game because the Bengals drove down the field and then threw a 90-yard pick six and then went down and tied it, and then the Browns just immediately took off from there. But yeah, I mean, I give Baker Mayfield a ton of credit. I know that guy gets a lot of crap, and I think he can be a bit overrated in certain circles, but that guy gives it all. I think all. so. I mean, and I really do feel like it's not always causation and correlation with these things, but like the of, amount of changes uh, in how it's the statistics just a look simple when thing Odell of, Beckham's uh, off the field, when Odell Beckham is supposed to be, it's not just as simple as it's Odell Beckham Jr., but it has there, to be a part of it, right? a good wide receiver. It's just like, there's got to be something there. It's definitely got to play a part. There's something going on there. So I, I think that, again, as I pointed out last episode, I think Baker Mayfield can play better down the stretch without Odell Beckham there. And as far as the way that this game turned out, obviously things are all teams in the AFC North have a winning record. Yeah, I mean it's going to come down to the wire with these teams. Multiple They're games left to be settled. It looks like you know, the Steelers that's basically have played the just of what's two happened. divisional games Steelers so far. Beat up the, Browns, the Browns just beat up the Bengals have played three, and the Ravens have played one. There's still a lot to be decided in this division, and that should be pretty exciting. It's going to be a fight for the AFC North till the end. It is. It is a circle. It's a circle of violence. Ha <laughs> ha.
It's not exactly a circle of sadness, be. but it is I think that circle. they all could be very close, and they all could... They, there's, like, a chance that, like, there's two teams exactly. that finish 10-7 in this division. I know there's still much of the season left going to be in this played, circle but... Of beating each other up. Would you be surprised if maybe the worst record for any team in this division is eight wins? It's very interesting, very reminiscent of uh, 2014, the last time three teams from the division made the playoffs. And as a matter of fact, with the extra playoff spot, it's technically possible for four team, all four teams to make it. Now, that would require every wild card, and with the AFC having 11 of its 16 teams with a winning record, I wouldn't say it's likely, but it's certainly not impossible. So, just something to keep an eye out. Uh, let's move on to one of the biggest upsets of the week. Yeah, if that, it weren't for the Bills and Jaguars, game, I feel like Broncos, I Cowboys, coming Denver rolling in and beating Dallas by 14 points. Good. And I mean, there was uh, that Dallas weird blocked late in the game. And I feel like it would have been a bigger surprise. The, Denver just kicked the uh, crap out of the Cowboys, the and I never saw Broncos it Broncos were able to recover, and it, it's, it gave them a first down. That was bizarre. I don't know if you saw that. Um, yeah, I definitely didn't see this game coming. It was a wild game. And also, just to touch on some NFL news, the Cowboys just lost Randy Gregory likely for like three weeks. They're putting him on IR because of an injury in practice on Wednesday. So, they I feel like they just keep getting hurt. That sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Michael Parsons is playing like edge Ooh. rusher. And he's like supposed to be a, a, an inside linebacker. And he's absolutely tearing up position he hasn't played since high school and he's switching between the position that versatility and while being <laughs> you really great wish at Devin Bush spots, was Micah Parsons that's wild for a rookie crazy I mean people gave the Cowboys a lot of shit for taking Parsons I feel like because like they didn't necessarily need him because they had a full inside linebacker room but I mean they they might have taken a really really good uh, defensive player that sh that should be good at, for a while I didn't see it. There's red on the Cowboys' helmet. Feeds into that old adage, which is you draft the best players available. Oh, did they have like a... What do you think of oh, the red okay, on the Cowboys' helmet? I thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. It's like, uh, like the American it, So flag, you know how they have, like, the, they have the tricolored stripe? What, do you know what I'm talking about? Well, you can always just look at a picture later. I just thought it looked pretty cool. I believe it was for Veterans Day coming up this week. Okay. Yeah, it's solid. It's it's weird, but I I like it. Uh, I know that it was also some sort of callback to what they used to Their wear, like team? the earliest iterations of the Cowboys in the '60s wore red like helmets with red stripes too. As odd as that is to think about. You know, it wasn't solid, though. Tua wasn't actually active for that game. Well, no, 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 I'm sorry. Was he was say, as an emergency, but they told uh, him that he has game. a broken bone in what his a, finger. Uh, and I, what a disaster start, that game he was left active as so, an emergency guy. Uh, Tua, not up for the... <laughs> uh, Tua went down really early, right? Oh, he was... He... So enter two of our favorite quarterbacks, Tyrod Taylor and Jacoby Brissett. And 
you know, I picked the Texans based on Tyrod Taylor starting this game, and he actually played very, very poorly, which I was not expecting. Jacoby Brissett wasn't great in this one, but he was certainly much better. Nine sacks given up between these two teams, and the Dolphins doing just enough to get their second win on the year. Is it is it fair to say that I this Dolphins team was probably an overachiever last year, this but... Year and- yeah, at the same I, time, even if you expected regression, see, I don't know because I was expecting Tyrod Taylor to, just to come out and win this game. Also, I, I felt like the Texans the with Tyrod Taylor earlier in the year were actually not that bad. Like I felt like they were playing, yeah. Oh yeah, he played awful in this game. I, that was unfortunate. I started him in fantasy because of Kyler Murray, so that hurt. Um, but. They weren't. They were competitive, but he just played very poorly on Sunday. Yeah, I think that the Dolphins are probably. A little I was bit just more so speaking from the standpoint record. of not by much though. They haven't. Really are, been were we not that giving well. the Dolphins enough credit because they struggled so much to start the year? When in reality, they're probably better than their record is at this point. Yeah, that's definitely holding them. Not able to run. Not able to pass. What can you do? <laughs> You know what the issue is? It's the offensive line, which is just a horrifically bad unit. Indeed. On to an NFC matchup, NFC South. The Falcons get a close two-point win over the New Orleans Saints. Trevor Simeon continues to struggle as Matt Ryan has kind of turned around a... uh, a slow start to the season, and he's looked uh, better as of late. Corderell Patterson continues to be a star for that team. Kyle Pitts uh, remains the an awesome I option for them as love well. The Patterson. Now without, love uh, uh, without Jameis yeah, Winston, the appear to be was not a bad team, but close. are certainly not as uh, don't strike the, it really, they the hearts let the of their Saints opponents battle like they back in did. the fourth quarter because I think early on in the fourth quarter, it was about. Mm, Yeah, it would have been on brand, but yeah. So it was like 24 to, I, th- I think, 3 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So that was tough. <laughs> that, that was that was they definitely tough. They scored 22 of their 25 uh, the points back in the back final into quarter. It, but so the Falcons they were able to hang on, so they Falcons. didn't, as you said, pull the Falcons. Elsewhere, the Las Vegas Raiders lost a tough game in New Jersey to the New York Giants, who I know the Giants uh, have certainly not been a sexy team this year. I My initial gut said to pick the Raiders, but I just felt like this was going to be the week that everything caught up to the Raiders with everything going on, including, uh, I should also mention, their other first-round pick from last season, Damon Arnett, was released after a video surfaced over the weekend of him making yeah. death threats while Born holding a firearm. And uh, he, he hasn't played the last few weeks because he's on injured reserve, but he's also facing lawsuits stemming from a car accident last year. Apparently, you sent me something like he was in what, like four rental car accidents in a month or something insane like that? Uh, man, you just, you hate to see it. The Raiders have done such a poor job 
wasting their picks, their early picks over the last few years. And for all the Hunter Renfros and Max Crosbys that they've drafted, they've also drafted, you know, Henry Ruggs, who, I mean, not that you could predict something like that, but him, Damon Arnett, you can talk about Cleland Farrell, who is a healthy scratch at times this year. I mean, that team has just been terrible with their early picks. And a lot of people have criticized the Los Angeles Rams for the way they've managed their picks, but I'd rather trade, you know, if if you're going to spend picks on first round picks like that and Alex Leatherwood, you might as well just trade him for what the Rams have been doing. I mean, at least at yeah, that point, you're tough. getting established two players. The, the Raiders have missed terribly. It's so, kind I mean, of incredible the they're playing as well the, as they uh, are with the picks that they've you, missed. It could, but yeah, it could be I called the like difference maker since, I mean, the they Giants, lost by seven Everything points, going on with the Raiders was going to catch up to them. And for this week, at least it did. The Giants came to play. What more can be said? It was a pretty competitive game up up until that pick six. Dagger. In the Panthers and Patriots game, the Patriots continue to have a strange split where they're winning all their games on the road, four and zero. Oh but are one and four at home 24 to six Sam Darnold gets hurt in this one suffers a uh, partial non-displaced fracture in his right scapula which sounds quite painful uh, Darnold has been struggling yeah, so mightily after a good opening a three weeks to start to the season. Million dollar deal. This There's week completing less than 50% of his passes thrown There's three also interceptions. A million As a matter of fact, uh, it has led to the Panthers re-signing so, their former quarterback uh, in Cam Newton. Newton. You want to touch on that briefly? The immediate starter. He's vaccinated, so he could come in and immediately practice. I don't. Th- we'll see if they give uh, P.J. Walker one, one week the, the uh, AAF legend or uh, XFL legend, yeah. I thought he was in both, but XFL legend. Yeah. Yeah. XFL. XFL. He, he probably was, let's be honest. I'll check that for you right now, actually. I'm kind of curious. What are the Panthers doing? I know we were talking about this a little bit. Um... We were talking about this a little bit off the air just because the Panthers are a team that feels like they're half in, half out with that decision to trade for Sam Darnold. It's like, okay, let's figure out what's going on. And then they start making these acquisitions. They trade for Stephon Gilmore, and they're pushing all the chips to the middle of the Mm. table. I mean, do they really think that they're going to win by signing Cam I'm I'm not saying they shouldn't have signed him. I'm just yeah, saying with the it Panthers, seems very I feel like they do me. have oh, the, by the defense way. to compete. Uh, so I and I do think at this point uh, PJ Walker might played be better with the than Houston Sam Darnold. <laughs> it's Darnold is bad. Uh, I said it from, from the get go. You don't get a, he was a, a backup Jets team the that bad unless there's multiple so there things go. wrong. And I know there's a lot of blame to go on Adam Gase. I'm I'm definitely not rectifying him. But you don't do that bad with just bad coaching. If you if you don't because a, a good quarterback can win you steal you some games. Sam Darnold is never a good quarterback. Uh, and that's unfortunate. I think his time in the league has concluded. Basically, this should this should be it for him. Uh, he, as at least as a starter, yeah, he he's, he'll probably catch on somewhere as as a backup. But, uh, yeah. So, looking at like the division, I think that the Panthers do have the defense to compete. 
I mean, they've been playing really well. Certainly as um, a starter. Like, and then Stefan Gilmore just started playing. Brian Burns is now hurt because of a controversial play in this game, but Brian Burns is doing good. Yeah, so on the play that uh, Mac Jones threw, was it throw a pick or did he fumble? He fumbled on that play. He threw a pick in this game and he fumbled. But the oh, one that can uh, you touch on that by the way? That uh, uh, Brian Burns got hurt on. Can you talk uh, about that fumbled, for a second? Because and I, he fell, I think I know what you're talking about. The argument about. he made was that he thought Brian Burns had the ball, but it wasn't really even close. And so when he was on the ground and Brian Burns was over him, uh, he grabbed Brian Burns' leg, which got him tripped up, and he. Uh, he got twisted, and it gave him an ankle sprain. Uh, so, Mac Jones basically sprained Brian Burns' ankle for no reason grabbing him. It was called a controversial play. Um, Matt Ruley came out and said, like, I don't know what was going on in Mac Jones' head. Uh, like, And then Brian Burns came out and said, I hope defense fans have a field day against him because I can't get my revenge, basically. So, yeah, that was that was an, that was interesting. Uh that, that whole debacle, but yeah, so Brian Burns is now injured, but yeah, so as a, as a whole, uh, I, I, when they get healthy, I think that the Pan, uh, Panthers can compete. I really like Hassan Reddick. I really didn't expect him to be what he is when I first looked at him pre-draft. He did, First of all, he didn't even come out as an edge rusher, so that, I mean... Part, that's part on me to not evaluate that because I looked at him as an inside linebacker, but he's become mm -hmm. a really good edge rusher. He's like at least sacks wise, maybe not pressure wise, but he's got eight and a half sacks on the year. I mean, he's doing really solid. I, I like him. Anyway, Yeah, yeah, something like that. But anyway, as a whole, took a Carolina's long time. Defense but he's, uh, and the offense you know, has. I guess pieces. that's what the thing you have to look like, at with switching. Like the offense obviously has Christian McCaffrey. They have uh, DJ Moore. I guess DJ the Cardinals Moore started the year so good, and then just sucked. Robbie Anderson has sucked this year, but I don't know if that's because of Sam Darnold or the combination. Yeah, he. I actually like their combination of tight ends. Like they drafted Tommy Tremble, who's a really good blocker, and I like Ian Thomas. Maybe not that much, but he's solid. He's uh, just not getting targets. Terrence Marshall is a rookie that I was excited about after I saw him in preseason against us, but he hasn't really done much. But so I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe Cam Newton will give them a more competitive team because they're four and five. Like they, I and uh, I know the Falcons. I think just entered the, uh, just entered. The NFC wild card, and I think they're four and four. They are. They're four and four, and I'm pretty sure they hold the last wild card spot. So, and so that should give the Panthers a easy, a kind of easier way to compete. They should be able to still hang in this uh, if they could just get a little bit better quarterback play. And I don't. Obviously, I've been a recorded Cam Newton hater, but I mean, if he could add more than what Sam Darnold was doing, either by just not turning over the ball three times or adding a rushing ability that they didn't have before, which I think he still has, uh, I think he'll be better, and he could take the, he could take away that spot from the Falcons. Yeah, they're built very similar. 
this team right now is very similar to what the Saints are right now, too. In terms of uh, in terms of the way that they could run their offense, I do think that the way that they could run their offense yeah, is similar to the way the Patriots than, did than with Cam Walker Newton in there. early I last season ready. with a run-heavy attack with multiple tight ends. And I, I think that it might not be great, but it could be effective enough. I've also been a noted Cam Newton hater, but I do think he's their best quarterback option for sure. Let's move on to the Bills and Jaguars. The biggest surprise of the weekend, the evidence that my lock of the week is cursed because the Jaguars defeat the Buffalo Bills 9-6 to in a game where Josh Allen of the Jaguars outshined Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. He reclaimed his name, Austin. The Jaguars just crushed the Bills offensively and are efficient enough to move the ball successfully enough to, you know, get the job done and it took a couple plays from C.J. Beathard as well, but Josh Allen of the Bills. Yeah, I mean, two interceptions, this sacked four Josh times, Allen, fumbled the in this one. Linebacker, Josh just Allen of the Jaguars had I mean, he did everything that you an interception and a fumble recovery. He one, recovered a clearly fumble, showing that had a sack. When there are two Josh Allens on the field, game, only one can the, play well. The team in tackles absolutely destroyed the game, and just the Bills weren't able to really move the ball downfield effectively. They weren't doing a good job in in the running game partially because Zach Moss got hurt, but even before he got hurt, he had only carried the ball three times for six yards. Singletary then came in and wasn't able to really do much. Uh, the, Josh Allen finished with less than 10 yards per uh, per completion. Yeah, and way yeah, way less on, on the attempt. Yeah, almost is half. He finished with less than five yards per attempt. So uh, not getting the ball downfield for most of the day, not good. So. Attempt. Yeah, surprise game oh, completion. Uh, that ended terribly for for the Bills. Great for the Steelers, though, that the Bills lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jaguars only really with one negative play, a fumble that they lost, but outside of that... They really just took care of the ball. I mean, they didn't put up eye-popping numbers. Only Dan Arnold had more than 27 receiving yards in this game, and they didn't have James Robinson, but they got the job done thanks to their defense and uh, made big plays when they needed to. The Bills had a total of nine runs from their running backs in this game. It's something interesting to point out, and we'll get to the Chiefs later, is that the Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are facing more too high cover coverage shells than any other quarterbacks in the league, basically forcing them to take underneath stuff and knowing, basically saying, you're going to have to be patient. It'll take 12, 15 plays for you to basically dice us up underneath, which is, you know, what Tom Brady used to do. I'm, and I mean, still does, you know, from time to time. But yeah, he, it doesn't help that they don't have a running game at all. Like, it kind of reminds that, us me of the Steelers like last year, that there's just them. no run and game it's interesting to, to know support Josh Allen. Part of that's on them, though. They don't even try, really, with the run game. As you point out, they only had nine runs between running backs on the day. And granted, they weren't. Yeah, he had five himself. I feel like they should do a better job at, at trying to get the running backs more involved. I, I say that. They get Singletary involved in the passing game. I mean, as soon as Zach Moss went down, Singletary was the guy. Singletary, sorry, Singletary finished with the second most catches on the himself. team. 
after that. And obviously he wasn't even a starter. And the running backs had nine catches altogether. Uh, actually, there might be more. Yeah, no, no. It was, it was nine altogether. So, but they need to get involved in the rushing game. Make, make it so they can respect the play action a little bit more. I don't know. Uh, I, I, the Bills just look inconsistent. I was just going to say the Bills look inconsistent. They haven't really beaten anyone very good, and they've lost to some good teams, and they lost to the Steelers, wherever you view the Steelers at. So I don't know where the Bills are at. Look, normal – sorry, go ahead. My bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they could win. If they make it to the playoffs, they could win three games in a row. It doesn't. It just doesn't look like it. When they are on – I do think they're the best team in the AFC, maybe in the league, but they have shown a disturbing trend to not be consistent enough. There's still time for them to put things together. A lot of teams have done that over the second half of seasons, but the way things are trending, there's something that's not working and they got to get it yeah, uh, fixed. I mean, Look, we, we talk all the time about running successfully, not running deep. a ton. Um, you don't, they I mean, should you be trying to run a little bit to. more. I'm the way teams are playing defense now, it's inviting the Bills to I love run, and I actually do think that uh, they might benefit from running so, the ball a little bit. I, I think, because I, I think as soon as Devin Singletary leaves the Bills, wherever he goes, he's going to be lit. He's going to be an absolute great running back. I think they are so scared of him because he's small. They literally don't use him in goal line situations at all because of it, because he's undersized or small for NFL standards. But I think as soon as Singletary leaves this this team and goes to a team that's a little bit more run-oriented, I think he's going to be a really great running back. The Baltimore Ravens defeat the Minnesota Vikings in overtime, twice overcoming a 14-point deficit against the Vikings. What a disappointing result for the Vikings, who appeared to have this game wrapped up on multiple occasions, but the Ravens come back, and for much of the season, their running game hasn't been quite the same as it had been the previous two and a half seasons, but... This week it came back to life. 45 yeah. totes in total Freeman for 247 like yards. Actually uh, yeah, really that'll solid. get the job done. And the, yeah, the Ravens are 6-2 and two really, really and have had a lot of close ones similar the to the Steelers got but the are touchdown. currently leading uh, the AFC Freeman was North. More effective. And uh, Justin Tucker uh, once again. But like they were both kick. very, very good. And then Lamar Jackson. Holy cow. I didn't Left know he had that many carries. He was good too. That's a lot. Yeah, there's something I'll never take away from Lamar Jackson, and I I, I think I saw it in yeah, our hey group chat the other day. He's Someone on pace was saying for like four thousand Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is the best yards. running. I know you uh, don't like him. Uh, rushing quarterback and, we've ever seen. Vic isn't even in the him, same stratosphere. Regardless of what you Lamar think about him, those are away. crazy numbers. Yeah, Lamar is literally the best. Literally the best. It, uh, it, it's like, it's it, I, I, Vic was good, but he was and Vic was a better thrower, but. Lamar Jackson's rushing ability is, is Most of unmatched. his runs it's were scrambles, seen. There's not too. a quarterback that's ever been close design. to what Lamar Jackson does. And I guess the, likely the closest is Cam Newton, but like they're different kind of runners too. Yeah, completely different. It's just more of the stats-wise Cam Newton is closer, but 
No, Lamar Jackson is better. However, you go to the passing stats, two interceptions. So I, I still I, I will hold that Lamar Jackson isn't that great because of his passing ability. But Completely uh, yeah, unfortunate that the Vikings couldn't hold on to help out the Steelers. It was so close. They got that first stop on, uh, in overtime when it shouldn't have even gotten to overtime. And it's like, okay, the Vikings might win. And then they did not. So that's a shame. But, oh, it is what it is. You know, the Steelers got all the other help. And, and it's not like this is the worst thing in the world. Steelers get their own shot at, at taking on the Ravens twice later in the year. So I'm not really worried about it. It just would have been nice. That was the one other domino that needed to fall. Yeah, no, he's just a really good rusher. He's Another very, thing very is when I, I feel like when you talk about you know the whole Lamar Jackson as a running back thing, that's all I know you it's meant like kind of as a shot at his passing, but it's also meant to highlight that he's also really good as a running oh, back yeah. too. Yeah, he's more elusive than one like that big guy like Cam Newton. I mean, he's just so elusive in the open field too. He's he's more like Barry Sanders when he's running with the football than he is Cam Newton. <laughs> yeah, it was a close game. I mean, Vegas had that almost uh, nailed. It's the four o'clock slate of games the, uh, we go. The Chargers defeat the Eagles 27-24 yeah, in another late half, game. So, uh, and it came down to the, the Chargers. Justin Herbert putting up big numbers again. I still Chargers want to see the Chargers play better. I feel like they should weeks. be playing better. I'm not really understanding. I think I need to watch more of their game, see why they're not playing as well, and see what's like actually going Spread. on. Oh, yeah, wow. Jalen Hurts, 62 yards. Jordan Howard, 71 yards. Boston Scott, 40 yards. Their run defense is pretty bad. Ooh, They're inviting teams to run, and normally that's considered a good thing because it's less efficient, but they're giving up so much on the ground it almost doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um... Let's get to the NFC West affair between the Kyler Murray-less Cardinals defeating the San Francisco 49ers by 14 points despite the fact that Colt McCoy started in this one. Played pretty well, oh, too. Just, Only missed just out rushing? passes. The just rushing or Cardinals running game, total? outstanding once again. Led by James Conner in this one. 21 carries, 96 yards, and two more touchdowns. Up to, what, 9 on the season or 10? That would tie a career high, I believe. Okay, so he's at 11. I thought he was at 12 for some reason. But I'm yeah. checking right now. Uh, the NFC West currently... is wild. This is why you always pick, like, uh, uh, usually currently... the team that is not favored. Because no uh, DeAndre yeah, Hopkins, 10 touchdowns no on the Murray, season on the no ground, and one into the air. problem for the Arizona Cardinals. That's what they said. I That's why I took the Cardinals plus three. I said, if Kyler Murray plays, cool. If he doesn't, still cool. The NFC West is still is a wild, wild division every single time they play. And then you get games like this where James Conner has three touchdowns in the game and, like, 130 scrimmage yards. Or even more than that, he had 160 scrimmage yards. So, uh, absolutely wild. George Kittle looked good in his, his game back. He led the team in uh, receptions for the 49ers. But I'm just not that high on the 49ers, man. Never going to be. Not with Jimmy Garoppolo, at least. Yep, and Shanahan should be on the hot seat. 
He's just an average quarterback yep, at right. this point. Absolutely. They for a team that usually runs the ball really well, they had uh ten sorry, nine carries from running backs and they went pretty much nowhere. James Conner has 11 touchdowns this year. That's the second most he's had in a single season. He had 13 in the 2018 season, one receiving touchdown, so he's matched that. He ha- he has a career high of three receiving yeah. touchdowns for he, two years he's ago. He's likely going to break it, especially with that extra game. I mean, he's, he's uh, Chase Edmonds is hurt. I don't know right if we now. pointed that out. So he, he got hurt three in more this rushing game. He's touchdowns out like, to set a career high there. Yeah, he's supposed to be out two, for like four to six to weeks, any, anywhere in between. So James Conner is the guy now. I mean, they have a guy, uh, I think his name is Eno, Eno Benjamin. I don't remember his first name. It is Eno, Eno Benjamin. He's like, he's, he's going to be the next guy up, and he got some carries in this game after Chase Edmonds got hurt. But James Conner has a very good chance to break that touchdown, personal touchdown record that he has. Perfect example, too, of how he can thrive in a situation where he doesn't have to be the number one yeah, guy for an entire I mean, season. You have to, but with those touchdowns, you know that at least 10 of his runs are successful. Outside you know that, touchdowns, uh, he's been very he's effective in, within the five-yard line. I, I, think, is down, but I'd be willing uh, to saw the stat. I don't want to misquote it, but there was a stat today talking about how effective he was within the five-yard line. I think it's seven of his nine rushes within them have been touchdowns. Like, he's doing really, really good there, which obviously it's going to lower his yards per carry. But I also think his yards per carry is going to go up over time with now Rodney Hudson coming back. That should help uh, having that offensive lineman down the middle that's a little bit better. I think that should uh, increase it as well. James Conner already has 32 first downs converted on the ground, which is more than he had in all of 2019 and is just 10 off from his second highest career mark, which he set last year. 56 first downs is what he had in 2018, which was obviously his career year, which he should break as well. So yeah. even I'm happy though he's not I'm glad that you know, he, the lead bell cow guy like he was in yeah, Pittsburgh, no, the Steelers he's probably did him going to still the other get way better numbers he wanted, just he because he's not going to be forced into it for the majority of the season, depending on, of course, if Edmonds you know, depending on how much time he misses. Yeah, I, I Me mean... Too. You have to root for the guy. Yeah, they wanted to move on from him. They took a first-round running back. Eh. Well, oh, I, I, just I don't know James if the Steelers did him dirty. I just think it was the way that it worked out. Think about who they had behind him. Do you really want more carries for Benny Snell? <laughs> I mean, I did too. Look, and well, we uh, we, oh, we yeah. can get into the whole Najee Harris thing, but I would yeah. say that so far it's worked out picking him. I'm not saying that I would love. I still like the idea of picking a first round running back, but I will say you can see the difference he makes versus a guy like Benny Snell. We've seen. Far too many examples. Yeah, of that no, so far. still second round max. Has it made you I, I'm not taking one in the first round. I'm not saying that. I, I still don't think I'd 
almost no ever take do one it. Still, but at least you right know what I'd rather have right I've now. No so offense, far, to Najee, because Najee's been great. I don't want to take away from Najee. I'd rather have Creed Humphrey and James Conner. I I would take that. I'd exchange that. That too, yeah. Having having a cornerback like him would be nice. Then, but then I worry about how James Conner is doing with without with an offensive line with like Kendrick Green. Mm. It's tough. I'd rather have Asante Samuel Jr. too. Yeah. Just makes you th- just making you think about it is all. Let's uh, let's move on to the Packers and Chiefs. The game of the week, at least what it was piped up to be with Aaron Rodgers. No Aaron Rodgers in this one. Jordan Love gets his first career start, and uh, well, he actually technically in some manners outdueled Patrick Mahomes in one of the uglier yeah, thirteen to seven games. Not a good day for memory. quarterbacks considered. Just good. both teams struggling. Like, it just wasn't the football. very good at all. The Chiefs for him. I mean, have they, they ever looked worse in victory? And I, I feel like I asked this question last week when they beat the Giants, the but somehow it's thrown, still but worse. Still under the uh, under ten yards per completion. Uh, just like our friend Josh Allen, under five yards per attempt, or very close to it, just above it, maybe. I, I can't do math. No, under it. Okay, 166 yards on 37 attempts. Okay, perfect. Um, but So not very good. Just as a whole, it was a very ugly game. I didn't. I turned it off because I was like, this this sucks. Like, it, just, it was just not a good game. not good yeah that's just not good I believe Mahomes average depth of target was something like five for him it's terrible and uh, Jordan Jordan Love was not good either he missed a lot of throws now I, I know you can kind of uh excuse some of it because it's his first career start in an unfriendly environment but he needed to be better the Packers ran the ball pretty effectively in this one but they just couldn't get going Devontae Adams reminds you of Devontae or sorry Antonio Brown with Michael oh yeah Vick. Like well not even a question this, this game so, is I don't know if we'll see Jordan Love again this year absolutely with Rodgers right. expected to return off the COVID list on Saturday I, I mean we'll see but the Packers, this was a, a game they certainly would have won with Aaron Rodgers. So, all right, into Sunday night, you were you had your pulse on uh, the way things were going to go, Austin. I give you a lot of credit. Picking the Titans in this yeah, one, I, I, they went impressively. I, wish, 28 I thought to Tennessee would honestly Rams, do better, who, not in terms of score. They did fine I don't there, know but I thought that their offense stand would be better, on this Rams team. I still uh, have some part of the score obviously is the pick six that Matt the Stafford beat threw. Them so without Derrick Henry, the, the offense was really was only able to put up twenty one points on its on its own. I I still see that. Tennessee could get better because uh, they did rely on their defense a lot more for, for this than I expected because it didn't go exactly as I thought. I thought that Tannehill would return to uh, being able to show that he can throw, having having a better similar to last year, and he really wasn't that good. I mean, you look, he was definitely under ten yards a carry. Uh, he was just about 
a carry. Uh, he was just under 10 yards of completion. He was just over 5 yards per attempt. Wasn't very good. He got a rushing touchdown. Alright. But as a whole, they weren't very good. I felt like the, the Rams just played really bad. I mean, Stafford had two picks. He wasn't able to move the ball at all in the beginning. Just... And obviously he threw that pick six. The pick six didn't end up making the deep, the difference. Uh, they could have won anyway with just what the Tennessee, uh, what the Tennessee team did at, uh, on offense alone. But still, I think I think there's still more that the offense could do because I I was expecting a little bit more. Yeah, that should that should help as well. Getting a running back going. Yep. And, I do think uh, the Rams. I what I can't you know, take away the Rams. I do feel like their is offense really will get a bit I still back think what I said about the Titans could you know, come to fruition where they could play good offense even without Derrick Henry. Uh, just maybe against some lesser opponents. The Rams are one of the top defenses in the league. All right, so that brings us back to Monday Night Football, the Steelers defeating the Chicago Bears. Uh, shall we get to the injury report first? We'll talk about what's going on there. The big name that came out of that was wide receiver Chase Claypool, who got an MRI after he suffered a toe injury that caused him to miss part of the game on Monday. Now he has, uh, he did return to the game and played, so there's that. But uh, he uh, got an MRI. So, not it's yet. not season-ending, but he's considered by Mike Tomlin week to week. At the time of recording so, right now, it's 2 of 2 uh, I'm status for Sunday's game. They... Uh, this upcoming week is in uh, doubt, put it that way. Report, uh, did we'll we get an updated injury report from practice today? Yeah, I don't really expect Claypool uh, to practice this week. He was. Oh, okay. He did not yeah, practice no, yesterday. I just went to their that. site, and they only have Wednesday on still. Now, yesterday... Yesterday was more of a walkthrough because the Steelers didn't get that extra day. They lost that extra day because they were playing on Thursday. You're... By the way, um, James Robinson is starting to practice again for the Jaguars. Ian Rappaport says the uh, Panthers gave $4.5 million guaranteed to Cam Newton out of the 10. Yeah, I I definitely don't think Claypool is going to be ready this week. Right. I, I I'm honest, I'll be so, shocked if he nothing new on Claypool right now. But I, as we stand on, right now, I'd be kind of surprised if he plays. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to be held out this week, which is going to make the wide receiver room a little bit scary. With just it is Anthony Miller season, heck yeah, or Cody White season, or or whatever James Washington season, Ray Ray McLeod season, whoever you want it to be. <laughs> It's true. He's not allowed. Anthony Miller season. No. J James Washington oh, will never get targets. What a name, targets. Johnny Holton, the legend that always got targeted but never made a catch. Get, uh... Oh, God. 
Who, Something like that. I thought we got name? to 13. I thought we got to 13 targets. Johnny Holton. Only one Johnny Holton will be signed and will get targets before James Washington does again. Legend. Absolute. Heck. Ozzy, nine yeah. targets, one reception. Fifteen targets, three receptions in 2019 for 21 yards. 1.3 yards per game. Um, where else? Defensive tackle Cam Hayward and linebacker Robert Spillane are dealing with what's considered to be minor ankle injuries. Both practiced in full yesterday, so they should be all good to play, barring any setbacks. Isaiah Bugs, defensive tackle, left the game with a hip injury. Uh, looked like he was going to be a part of uh, groin club, but he suffered a hip injury, according to Mike Tomlin. He also practiced in full on Wednesday, so he should be good to go. Tight end Eric Ebron, Mike Tomlin offered an update saying he should return to practice this week, and he was limited yesterday, so he has. No further updates on defensive end Stefan Tuitt. And given the news that the Steelers were apparently interested in trading for... I liked it. Fletcher Cox is a really good player. He's older now, but he's got, he and was, he's got a fat uh, contract. Oh, there the, wouldn't have been I'm much sorry. money left because of how I'm, the Eagles... I, I completely blanked um, there. Yeah, the Steelers were apparently in on Fletcher year. Cox. Obviously, it would have been a solid move. The trigger move, was I not mean, pulled, but... Uh, I think, think he would have been a really good piece to put on the defensive line to, you know, give Cameron Hayward some help on, on the defensive line. Not that he needs it. He's been playing really well, but just to have uh, more pieces that are... Up to closer to Hayward's level uh, would have been nice, but yeah, it is what. It... No, I was just gonna say it is what it is, but yeah, now with Bugs being hurt a little bit, it just banged up. That kind of sucks because, you know, uh, the the depth at the position isn't very good along the defensive line because of the injuries. It's kind of gonna force Henry Definitely. Mondo to get a little bit more playing time if Bugs come because obviously, as you pointed out, this uh, the injury report we got was a walkthrough. So we don't truly know if if Bugs is going to be okay tomorrow. It might be like a limited participant or something. So uh, the depth at the position is not as good as when we first started the year. The, the, we started the year, there was like, what, eight defensive linemen on, on, on the roster? Nine? We, we said eight, eight <laughs> NFL-caliber defensive one. players, <laughs> including Mondo. And obviously, Alualu down for the year. Uh, Stefan Tuitt has missed a lot of time, so you're down to six right there. And then Carlos Davis has been injured most of the season. Bugs yeah, has been no. dinged up. So I mean, thank how much God they had eight of them. Because, be activated? Boy. Not a lot, right? Isn't it? You could open up a 21-day window. Within uh, by the way, I would also imagine of, that it's not uh, it's not a good it, sign for Stefan Tuitt that they were going after Fletcher Cox. I, see that always confused me because like, if it's three week or eight week in uh, IR right, but you could open up the window the end of the season, and then you get twenty one more days. But I thought you had to open up the window within a certain amount I of time of that three or eight weeks. I don't know if they changed that or not. I'll have to take a look at that later. That I'm not sure about. I do recall what you're talking about, but I don't know if that's changed at all. Well, point is, he's not getting activated this week, 
or, you know, he's not returning to practice this week. We would have been told that. So you're talking minimum next yeah, week, which tough. puts us a week out from Thanksgiving. So you're talking, and he's going to have to take the three weeks, you would imagine. So you're talking, if he started practicing then, you're talking best case scenario of the first full week of December that he comes back. I'm starting to... Th- I'm starting to think this is, you know, this is a lot very reminiscent of what happened to Marquise yeah. Pouncey in 2015. It'll be unfortunate. Remember Luckily, he Chris had an ankle injury really in solid. preseason. Not as good as to it. And then not as good as the pass was expected to come back like midseason, but just never did. Uh, good enough. He's definitely been uh, due to solid, staff infections. I do where he wish had to keep getting operations uh, on that ankle. would come back. But as you as you're saying, yeah, it's kind of looking like he's not going to be coming back this season. And it really yeah, hurts Cam not Hale, having Hale, him Hale, and Tyson Alawalu. We've seen this defensive line play well over time with one of those three guys out for a long period, but it's tough when two of those three have been out, which makes what uh, Cam Hayward's been doing this year so impressive. Uh, one more bit of uh, news for the Steelers to get to. They released Josh Lambeau, the kicker from the practice squad, you know, since Chris Boswell is good to go. And they have signed yep, former Falcons outside linebacker Jacob Toyoti Mar- uh, Mariner or Mariner to take his place. Uh, he's had some decent reps for the Falcons, but uh, the Steelers fortifying their outside linebacker room with uh, Melvin Ingram. I'm going to start with special teams. Indeed. So shall we get into this uh, game? Where do you want to begin? Do you want to talk about the refs? Do you want to talk about where do you, I mean, how do you want to approach this one? All right. Um, well, how about first, let's give a ton of props and a game ball to Chris Boswell. Almost flawless night. Perfect. Almost perfect game for Chris Boswell. Three of three on field goals, hits two 50-plus yard field goals, never been done before in Heinz Field, a 52 and a 54-yarder, both extremely crucial, and obviously the 40-yard game winner. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But he did miss uh, one PAT, which could have been crucial, but the the only reason he did not win AFC special teams And he also recovered a fumble on a kickoff, so Chris Boswell, excellent. Uh, Even uh, with the extra point, because I mean, he did something that's never happened in Heinz Field history. He kicked two 50-yard field goals, which, just in general, kicking two 50-yard field goals is not done every week by every kicker, you know? It's not easy. Then getting a fumble recovery on top of it, he likely should have won AFC Special Teams Player of the Week over Johnny Townsend, uh, the punter for the Chargers. But that's neither here nor that there. He won it in my heart, and he did. Uh, he did a really great job. Apart from uh, missing that extra point, uh, it was clutch. He was clutch as he has been. And that's good to see because even though a concussion is different than, you know, most types of injuries, you never know how an injury to your head might affect how a kicker thinks or something like that. So I don't know that I'd say I was nervous, but I also had, you know, some of my questions at the same time too. Boswell, though, 15-16 uh, of 16 on field goals this year and uh, having missed just uh, 
two kicks in total this year, obviously a very, very accurate. And, you know, despite the one season 2018, when he missed seven field goals and five extra point attempts, he has been at or above 90 plus field goal percentage for all but two seasons of his career. The first being uh, his second yeah, season when crazy. he was 21 to 25 and 84 destroying. percent. I mean, it's funny that the most accurate kickers season. are playing right now. And it kind of tells you how the that game has Oswald's advanced. The third and last most accurate kicker in league history, third even and fourth with most a season where he missed more kicks uh, than any other kicker in the league. Oh, I have that. I have this messed up. I apologize. I I thought that um. I thought I had the stats for all time, and I was looking at because Justin Tucker, Harrison Butker, and Chris Boswell are all part of the top five. But I was looking at, at uh, I was looking at a twenty twenty one list. They just happen to all all be the most accurate this year as well. Surprise, uh, but uh, a, a, anyway. Oh no, I did have it right. I'm sorry. Again, it is it is funny that we the Steelers had the third and fourth most accurate kicker on on. on NFL history this past week. Uh, Josh Lambeau's number four all-time in most accurate kickers. So, but yeah, Chris Boswell's ri- rising up the ranks. He might even be able to catch Harrison Butker one day, one day if he keeps this up with not missing the field goals. It's funny that you point out kickers being uh, being more and uh, more likely to hit their kicks, being more accurate than ever. I just think that's uh, you can attribute that to improving science with uh, you know learning how yeah. how to strike the ball. You know what I mean? I just think that that's one of those things that you add uh, over the course of time because you remember back in like the fifties and sixties, you'd have guys kicking straight on and not the soccer style from the uh, a diagonal approach. So. Over the years, you just improve on that, and I think that you see the fruits of that uh, labor coming to fruition. I do imagine at some point over the next, I, I've envisioned with how accurate they are, even from beyond you know 50 yards now. Put it this way, I saw a stat that said kickers in Heinz Field history from 50 plus yards out are... I'm sorry, this, this is a bit of a tangent, but just showing how good Boswell is. Kickers from beyond 50 yards at Heinz Field, I think they hit less than 30% of 50-yard field goals, and Boswell in Heinz Field history is 80%, to give you an idea how good he is. But just in general, the 50-yard field goals, being able to hit from that far being super automatic. I mean, the Bears kicker, I yeah, saw something no, that he had made like 38 straight field goals. Look, Remember I, I when the Bears the were having three, kicking the top issues? Six are all There's always active. a few teams I mean, that Josh are, Lombard, but most of the Josh kickers Lambo's these days are really good, 80-plus percent. Anymore, but I do see top a vision of Tucker, future 10-15 years from Lambo, now where the goalposts They're all still playing right now. So Then after that is Vandergett. I don't know how to say his name. Uh, in particular, but he played for the Colts and the Cowboys back in the day. Uh, but yeah, and then you go. It, it's just kind of crazy that that this this is where the NFL's gotten. It's, it's pretty cool. Definitely is in the realm of possibilities to be shortening those uh, field goal posts.
as far as the rest of special teams go. Couple good Arvin punts from Presley so Harvin. Also, some bad ones, and obviously, bad uh, situation with the fumble it. from Ray Ray McLeod. I don't know Mixed bag like special boomer, teams. Uh, it is like even a though Presley Harvin had a really good punt like at the end of the game, a, he also had a couple punt, of JV punts again. Or you get one that's like going 30 yards, and it's really frustrating with him because uh, if he could just get it together, he could be one of the best punters in the league, if not the best. Like His good punts are really, really good. Just the highs are high, the lows are low with Harvin. He does have a 63-yard punt this year. Only two touchbacks and 14 punts inside the 20. So, like, yeah, gotta do better those job are good numbers right there, but he's averaging less than 44 yards per punt. And his net is 40.3, which, remember, the Steelers set as that kind of goalpost. But, again, that's outdated. That would have been good 20 years ago. Now you need to be closer to 45. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely possible. Let Harvin come back. Thomas to Morstead was uh, waved by the Jets. He has one of the best might be net better averages to go with for this in year. league history. Uh, to see. I'm not saying the Jets Steelers want to go with their man, should, Brandon but Mann, who got hurt, I think, week it. one or week two. You just hate to do that because they invested now, a pick so. in him. Uh, and then as far as the fumbling by Ray Ray McLeod, a situation where you just can't have that. Two weeks in a row he, he's fumbled. So Justin Lane bailed him I really out last week. I really want Ray Ray McLeod to work because he's so You know, I, I like McLeod as a returner. He's been solid, but this is strike two. The, and I think if he does this again, Mike Tomlin reaffirmed he will be like with the team this week. But I do think if this happens once more, he will be gone. He actually returns the ball and gets solid yardage. It's like the best we've seen it. But then he just has those boneheaded plays where it's like, why did you return that so deep in the end zone? Why why did you fumble? What were you even doing on that fumble? Because I don't understand. Like, he ran into his own guy, and basically a, a Bears player ran through him and was able to force the fumble. Frustrating, because I want McLeod to work out. Yeah, he's got to know the situation, but I, I want McLeod to work out, and it's just not. It's not at all. Almost lost the game. I obviously gave the, the bear. He gave the bear seven points. So uh, that was tough pill to swallow. But no, the situation. Good for now. It's good for good for now. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Sims is waiting on the practice squad, likely for his time. So it's like the same thing. He's the same player as McLeod. So uh, we'll see. He is on, uh, I think, strike two, though. I think one more of these through the rest of the season, and he's probably gone. Yeah, we could talk about offense. On the plus side, he did have a nice catch, a 12-yard reception on the game-winning drive, which, I mean, we can kind of transition to offense now if you'd like. So, uh, in total, the offense, just 280 yards yeah. of offense. Uh, they Again, this team right. really lacking they definitely had a in the explosive start, play department. Just, uh, I believe just ben two explosive solid. plays on the day. You do, Is it hard to I be too critical, Austin? They, they did score they 29 points, and they did take advantage bit. of defensive turnovers I wasn't in totally in, in love with uh, how they played. 
Well, why don't we start with the offensive line in this one? After four straight games where it felt like they were making progress and playing well, this game definitely felt like a step back. Dan Moore struggled mightily once again. Kendrick Green struggled big time. Kevin Dotson had issues. Trey Turner probably played the best, but still had a sack that was attributed directly to him because he failed to pick up a blitzer on a delay. And Okorafor was okay, I guess. Just not a big push in the running game like we saw against a better defensive front last week. This is, again, a front minus Khalil Mack. So, you know, issues for the Steelers' offensive line and getting a push and protecting Ben Roethlisberger on a consistent basis. Just a step back for them, which, again, it's going to happen. You don't have a linear progression with these guys, but not the type of performance you wanted to see from them frustrating just uh they ran i think i texted you they ran had seven of 11 successful runs early but then they really struggled throughout the latter portion of the game and it felt like they were just pulling teeth on these yeah, third it wasn't and very good converting. more back they did convert them with, and i also got to um, give mike tomlin credit for being bad, more aggressive with them play. Uh, this week was a little bit but, less uh, excusable. You know, just felt last like this week was against not getting any fair. push yeah that's Najee like more, that's a guy playing for defensive player of the year this year fair this this year, uh, this week was Robert Quinn. Still, it's uh, he's a solid defensive player. I, I definitely don't want to take that away from him, but I do want to see Dan Moore play better. He kind of played about the same. Like he was getting just absolutely destroyed in, in this game. I felt like I didn't. I didn't like how he played. Might if we see one more week of that, we might see some shuffling happen. Not the Steelers like to shuffle, but like if you have Zach Banner, you paid Zach Banner. And Chuck Wumo Korfor was supposed to be left tackle. You might have to consider uh, making some moves or even just putting Joe Haig out there on, on one of the sides and moving Chuck Wumo Korfor or whatever you have to do because the play is bad. You don't want to kill his confidence, but it he's playing so bad that you might have to, you might your hand be, be forced. It's only two weeks though. So I think he has more time. I don't think he's going to be benched uh, this upcoming week, but. If he plays like that on the third week, I'm thinking that he likely will be benched because the Steelers do have options, all but maybe not that great, but they have options. Yeah. Hope so. He better not against the Lions. I mean, he better have a step up this week considering the competition. So, yeah, you definitely hope so. Um, and, yeah, the rest of it, it's just acceptable growing pains, I suppose. But just another example of if this team is not going to be running the ball successfully, it's this team just isn't connecting down the field consistently enough for it to be a difference. And, uh you know, you just saw a good example of that where this team is going to need turnovers if they're not running the ball successfully. And and again, I, I don't want to bang on this offense too much because they, they're a missed extra point away from crossing that 30-point plateau, which seemed impossible at the beginning of the year. But at the same time, it just feels like this offense is too much of a throw short, uh, run long type of offense. But hey, you know what? I got to give Chase Claypool a lot of credit. I gave him a lot of crap this year but he did come up with a big play for the second week in a row, a combat catch down the field for an explosive play. So yeah, I, mean, I give that uh, guy a lot a of credit. Job. They, they tried to uh, Deontay the Johnson the up until the final drive elsewhere. of the game, really quiet, but uh, it didn't uh, work. 
and didn't expect uh, for him to be kind of shut out for most of the game, but I suppose the Bears did a pretty good job so, of trying to eliminate uh, him. That kind of saved the day. And then, yeah, Chase Claypool was also pretty good. Chase Claypool converted uh, first down with on a rush, uh, had an 11-yard rush, so he was good before he got injured as well. So as a whole, I thought that the wide receivers did pretty solid. I take that back. Yeah. There were three explosive plays in this game. Yeah, if you want to Obviously, Claypool that, had yeah. one, Deontay Claypool Johnson had one late, and James Washington, Washington had the uh, wounded duck from Ben Roethlisberger that he came way back for and made a catch for, which was down the middle, which I, I suppose feather in the cap, I guess. So... Just... Uh, you know, it really feels like this offense is going to have to block it up and play better on both both running game and the passing game for this offense to play better. There's just not someone that can win consistently on the outside down the field enough, and Ben Roethlisberger can't hit them often enough. So, I sure hope look, so. The, the winning formula is there. There's it. just a lot of <laughs> caveats, and we've seen them do just enough, but it feels like this is a game upcoming against the Lions where they had better play this would better be the game where they score 30 points next week. I'll put it that way. Where do you feel like this offense is in terms of how, you know what? I will say this Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson are clearly the best playmakers on this team. Pat Fryermuth, like you said, what a night for him. Two more touchdowns, including a mossing on uh, Vildor over there, and an excellent play with old classic Ben Roethlisberger extending the play, even though that was really just a three-man rush with great protection. But uh, excellent play from him and Ben Roethlisberger on the second touchdown of the game. And, oh, by the way, an opening drive yeah, touchdown, third time this season. Uh, you know, for all the crap we've given the offense and opening game the inconsistent play they, they had in this game. You know what, they, they moved the ball when they had to. Very similar, coach, I mean, reminding so, me a lot of the some Buffalo of game. Execution. But, again, another opening yeah, you drive obviously touchdown. You have to hit the guys that are open and, and make it count. But uh, he's been good. He's been good with the opening opening drive script. Uh, we saw more end-arounds in this game, jet sweeps. Uh, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and James Washington each had two. All of them had one that was successful. So, again, manufacturing these running plays. Even Benny Snell had a successful run in this game. Uh, just doing, doing just enough in this game. And the offense didn't turn the ball over, which, you know what? Yeah, if, uh, I wouldn't say that this helped. is their ceiling. I'd still say the Broncos game is close, the closest they've come to their ceiling this year. But... When they don't turn the ball over, it can make up for the fact that they're not creating explosive plays some of the time. On the flip side, the this game was really a tale of two halves. Really a tale of three quarters and one quarter, if you want to be more precise. <clears throat> the Bears offense, first five drives of the game, four punts and an interception. 
And uh, from that point on, they gave up a field goal, a field goal, a touchdown, a touchdown, and then a missed field goal to end the game. So not uh, not exactly a ringing endorsement of this defense, which once again, after a good start to the game, struggled mightily. And even against a rookie quarterback with, uh, no, with all that was going like on and playing as badly as like he played points this year, just three sacks against and an interception that was frankly just an incredible individual effort by Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward's tied for the team lead in interceptions, Austin. Um, that's not good halfway through the season. I mean, you're happy for Cam, and he's got two interceptions, and cons- he's got an interception in consecutive seasons. They got eight quarterback hits and three sacks, but, you know, the Bears went max protect a lot. And uh, just guys running free and open late in this game. And I'll give Justin Fields credit. He has a live arm for sure. And he was able to make some plays scrambling. But this Steelers team was not prepared for the Wildcat offense. They were not prepared for Justin Fields on designed runs, which I was worried they might attempt to do this this week. And they also just were not prepared uh, and were unable to cover deep down the field. Cole Komet got loose twice a couple times. Marquise Goodwin had a 50-yard reception. Darnell Mooney had a big touchdown. Jimmy Graham had a big reception. Allen Robinson had a massive reception on a go-ahead touchdown drive. So just, uh, you know, this offense was all over Justin Fields early, but once the Bears made adjustments, the Steelers started busting coverages and not playing well. It's almost like the exact opposite of what happened with the Seahawks game where the Seahawks just started running the ball at will. Uh, this time the Bears just started throwing the ball yeah, at will. No, they they weren't running fourth the ball quarter well. Breakdown. Up until the fourth quarter, just, they'd only allowed six points. Yes, they made plays when they had to again, six just like the offense is, is, is okay. similar to the uh, Broncos uh, game of a few weeks ago. But is where they just, at the end of the game, you did not feel like they were going to be able to make a stop. The fourth quarter touchdowns was on Ray Ram Cloud, but... Yeah, they really start started breaking down towards the end. They weren't able to clutch. They were able to clutch up in the end, but ju- really it was the offense saving them. It, the the defense, yeah, the defense did just enough where, the, and then the offense was able to drive down the field and you know get the game winning score. I guess the defense left them enough time, I should say, to let the offense drive down the field and get the game winning score. But yeah, weird to say that the offense as weird saved as the that is to say. it's kind of weird because that's kind of how super bowl 43's game script went as odd as that was but justin fields had like an average uh average depth of target of like 11 or 12 or something i want to say like he was pushing it down the field um, really rough game from Terrell Edmonds. Probably his worst of the season. I just don't understand Getting how blown Joe away Haney by a 34-year-old tight end Jimmy Graham. Like it, it doesn't and, uh, make sense. Man, he's just an enigma. Athletic and, uh, he is. Obviously, it sucks Joe because he is very athletic, but this uh, is a guy that just hasn't made plays like he was supposed to as a Terrell late Edmonds first round is pick. Not, not good enough. Like I, I know it's been a common, uh, common storyline that oh, he's having a sneaky good season. He's not. It's just not. He's not that good. He's okay. Solid. He's like, I, I don't even want to call him solid. He's literally just okay. And he's more leaning towards the bad side of okay rather than being the good side of, of okay. Like average. You know. I, I just... 
Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out with the Bears, I was surprised at how much they used David Montgomery. He got a full workload, and that was not expected. He just uh, has too summer. many technical issues and pro- process, you know, process speed for him to be a reliable option. 15, yeah. Yeah, I was big time surprised because I was ex- I was expecting minimum 10. It's you know, true. Or, sorry, it maximum. Is true. Herbert only got 10 four, touches in this game, and I know he finished game. with uh, only 15, but it, it felt like he was very active and a part of it. Like he could have probably – honestly, he probably would have had more if the Steelers weren't ahead by 14 for periods of this game. So, yeah, he was playing very well. And just, I will say, I, I feel like uh, Minka Fitzpatrick had probably his most consistent game of the season. Not an elite performance. Uh, again, no turnovers here. But I, I feel like I feel like he did play very well. His tackling was better. There were a couple plays where Fields started scrambling with the ball or had a design run. And Fitz, uh, there was a third down play in particular. Uh, Fields converted, but Fitzpatrick flew in there really quickly. And that's... Uh, you like to see him making plays like Not that. He also nearly man. had a, an interception where uh, Fields made a good play to uh, not throw the ball there, but it was a very similar cover one robber look that he had a pick six on Baker Mayfield on last year. I don't know if you remember the play I'm talking about. Not playing. All right. But he's starting to James turn Spears around, so I'd say that's quite playing. encouraging. But the rest of the secondary is just inconsistent. Joe Hayden, again, had a fairly solid game, but he's definitely not the player he once was. James Pierre is inconsistent, and, uh, you know, so is everyone else in the secondary. What? He's all, Yeah, he's also not playing. Confused about the personnel package. The Steelers running nickel and not dime in that late-game situation. And... Not that having Arthur Millette on Allen Robinson late in the game is the same as having a linebacker like John Bostic on Keenan Allen. It's also not a great situation because Millette is undersized, not a, typically a great cover corner, going up against the Bears' best receiver. And yeah, I know man. his numbers are down, it's just but weird. let's be uh, honest. Allen Robinson is the best, game and best receiver that the Bears have. Uh, Arthur and uh, he got wide I, open I on really that mismatch. On the, what exactly what happened what there? But could have been the game-winning yeah, drive uh, for the James Bears. Was one of the that's just, that just can't happen in that situation. The only one that was technically lower than, than him was Derek Tuska. He got five of 62. Ten. Also tied for it. How many did Trey Norwood play? Look, uh, the biggest question about this defense was how they'd respond yeah, to changes in the great. secondary. And <laughs> oh, I think I, that you I, uh, you can't look at this defense this year and say that they've been the anything past but a disappointment. Years they've been, and I know that uh, they sh- you shouldn't have expected them to play a ton better this year, so you can't really given all the change, mad. but this, now this secondary the has been an issue. I think they're actually doing a better job in coverage than the past two years, but uh, they're not getting the... They're not getting the picks to kind of make up for when they make mistakes. So that's really hurting the team overall. And what makes it worse in the past few years. So I prefer I would prefer more turnovers rather than the somewhat better coverage, I suppose, than this year. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I think that was the personnel. Like, I don't know why you're not putting James Pierre out there, like, at all. Are you sure that that they're better in coverage this this year? Because they had five receivers, five receivers, five different players on the Bears had explosive play receptions. And that's fair, too. Like, that's certainly a good criticism to have. I just, I don't know. I just it, I feel like this team really misses Mike Hilton and Steven Nelson for different reasons. Obviously, Arthur Mallette is a decent player downhill. He's made plays this year, and Mike Hilton was very similar in that mold. Yeah, very no. good downhill, not great in coverage, but yeah. he's better at his job than Arthur Mallette is at his. And on the outside, I, I like James Pierre. I got nothing against the guy. I'm sure he'll continue to improve, but he's certainly not the player that Steven Nelson is. Hmm. It hamstrings you when you have to you have to play more zone when you're playing with young guys like Norwood yes. too, because it's easier to defend in zone, less responsibility for those young players, and I think that's a part of it too. the The Steelers' second half defense this year has been really bad. They gave up a obviously now I know that the McLeod touchdown honestly that was the biggest part of the game that that was the turning point if the bears had won that was massive and i don't want to discount that remember but in crunch time this defense has struggled in the second half they gave up obviously they gave up uh what was the number 21 fourth quarter points this week how many did they give up to the broncos in the second half of that one 13 13 of their 19 points in the in the fourth quarter um seattle obviously had uh all of their 20 points in the second half. So you're seeing a trend here with this team. Uh, the Raiders also had 17 of their 26 points in the second half. So, you know, it's speaking for itself yeah. kind of uh, is, is the second half I wonder half really what it is. It, teams are adjusting to I don't the Steelers' know if it's defense. As simple as adjustments, not making personnel changes. I don't know what it is. I'm sure it's a combination of a bunch of really things. But the second half defense second half, for most of this year has been bad. It's probably a combination of teams are adjusting in the second half and the Steelers aren't, and then they're by the time they are adjusting, it's too late that the other team has already scored uh, some points off of it. Against the Bears and yeah, Broncos, they time. absolutely should have been able to slow it down given that they could have pinned their ears back with 14-plus point leads in the both games. And then against the Seahawks, I know that the Seahawks just came out and ran the ball, yeah. but it took them most of the – it took them one whole quarter to adjust too. Yeah. So, again uh, – I mean, style points kind of tells you, you talk how, about this how team, good the team It feels is. like Winning a lot of smoke winning, and mirrors, style points to be honest with you. you more of they're winning they're actually at, so. but style points don't matter austin but they kind of matter because we're all that's all we're talking about oh yeah there's a reason there's a reason that generally the teams in the super bowl or the final four are the teams with the best point differentials So in the big in the big picture, obviously winning is all that matters. But 
this team, I, you really feel like they have to start turning a corner here at some point. Um, I still don't know that this is a playoff team. They've done a great job to put themselves back in the thick of things here, and they're in position to make the playoffs right now. I think if the playoffs did start today, they're a playoff team, but they need to shore things up defensively. 23. And, uh, you know, you look at the what are those two stats that it's we always those, hear about? Yeah. Defensive uh, adjusted net yards per passing attempt and uh, turnovers forced this season. And in terms of turnovers forced, I think, what is that magic number? Isn't it like uh, 25, 23? It used to be 25, but regardless, 23, 25, that's pretty close to what you want, right? So right now they have, yeah. let's see here. Nope. They have eight. Uh, yeah, so eight it's not going to be good. And likely so that number is going to go up, but the extra so game, that number quite a bit is probably going to jump. If this it was, was their first game with multiple going turnovers to 25, and one of them was special teams, go up not even defense. The requirement so because of that extra game. That's obviously not good. I think so, yeah. Hmm. And then in terms of adjusted net yards per passing attempt, uh, I forget where the really. Steelers lie, uh, but I'm fairly certain they have a negative. I think uh, I would, it's kind of sad to not see Zach Gentry get involved NEA stat. Uh, on the team today. Kevin Raider got a, got a catch. I'm going to have to check this one out. No Zach Gentry uh, any, on Any further on thoughts you have day. at the moment? nuts <laughs> okay uh the steelers current adjusted net yards per passing attempt is 24th in the league sorry tied for 23rd uh, uh, for with the defensive the Giants, or just, just 0.1 yards behind the chiefs austin as uh, well offensive as that is. uh probably the titans at 6.7 yards take a wild guess who's first i don't think you're gonna get this one offensive Wait a minute, I have the wrong statistic. I apologize. I have resorted. Oh, okay. Uh, who's, adjusted who's at net the yards top per four? passing attempt. The Steelers are 22nd, just ah, 0.3 yards ah. behind the Chiefs at 6.0 yards, and that's 22nd in the Kino league. Smith uh, sorry, Kino Smith uh, the, the team at the top now is uh, a little more understandable. It's the Rams at 8.3. Probably the Packers. Uh, the Seahawks. The Seahawks are still fifth in this stat, yeah, by the way. I thought because that one bad game where Rodgers had to throw uh, like literally Guess everything who's last at the one in yard the statistic line. with three point seven yards. Mm. Really, you went with the Packers. They're fourteenth. Classic. Mm, no. NEA uh, is a statistic that includes passing yeah, yards, sack yards, <laughs> plus twenty. Uh, Oh my god, this is a complicated statistic. No. Anyhow, not at all. the team that's in last place is the Bears. I'd be willing to bet their NEA stat this week was quite high. If only it could be. Not uh exactly what you want to see, right? Now, can I see the defensive NEA stats? I doubt it. It's never that easy. Yeah. 
Oh, I really wish that this kind of uh, stuff yeah. was easier they had to, qualified for, to see. For we, we already complained about that before, didn't we? The whole, uh, well, regardless, I'm pretty sure the Steelers have a negative differential, and you want to be a plus one in that differential, which I believe they were last year. Yeah, got it. Got to get it down a little bit. Gotta I think I saw it sometime this week it, that defensive NEA is at seven, which I don't think any team has won the Super Bowl with an NEA above six. Yeah. So that uh, that kind of speaks for itself. Sure, yeah. Again, this game upcoming week is the one you better have, have an improvement. All right, uh, shall we get to the elephant in the room, the officiating? All right, um, where do you want to start? Let, let, let me say first that I I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that, oh, a team, the penalties should generally be relatively even. Four years, sorry, yeah, four years ago, the Pittsburgh Penguins played the Nashville Predators in a crucial game six of the Stanley Cup Finals. Pittsburgh won two to nothing. Nashville should have had a goal in that game. And there was a play where the whistle was blown when Matt Murray had stopped the puck. The official thought that he had the puck, but he didn't, and it was poked in. If the whistle hadn't blown, the goal would have counted, and it should have counted. Pittsburgh ended up winning 2 nothing when it should have been, at the very least, 1-1 or one nothing Nashville. So because of that, there's that idea that uh, the officials make it up to Nashville by calling penalties. I believe Nashville had four power plays in that game and Pittsburgh had none. Here's the thing. The penalties Pittsburgh took in that game were actually penalties. It's not always that simple that it's going to be even. So let me just point out that I don't always believe that, you know, you're, you're striving yeah. for equality uh, in terms of penalties in, in uh, games. There, the Steelers had five, call, the Bears had uh, 12. The NFL stands so let me by just get that, that out of sucks. the way. I hate on the other hand, more. there were definitely I feel bad for Cassius Moore that were honestly. called on Chicago. I, that, that, that rule should sucks. Not I, I, I guess they called it correctly. I guess that is one of the ones that they actually. Yeah, but the rule sucks. Yeah, so I guess in that case, it's more of hate the rule, not not the, not the call. Um. Letter of the law. It's technically right. Let me point this out, though. I feel like the spirit of the rule in general is supposed to be don't spike a ball in a player's face or stick the ball in his face. You know, don't be, like, overly uh, flamboyant yeah, it was or very, very whatever soft. towards I mean, another player or something He wasn't even really like making that. gestures. He the said difference he is Marshier he was just kind of walking what, over. Like four and steps, kinda, I don't know, just posed and looked like at the Steelers bench swagger, for like a oh, second. I don't know. Like it's just, that he wasn't doing anything. Quite like he was just walking over. I, I guess they really didn't like him walking towards the Steelers bench when there was no reason to and he was getting off the field. But yeah, uh, soft call. Hated that. Uh, they mi- Tony Carrenti. Hated even more the what the uh, official I forget his name. Yeah, 
Tony Corrente purposefully hip-checking Cassius Marsh, which I frankly think is ridiculous. And I think that, first of all, we've talked about this for a long time, that people doing that, you know, an official doing that, officials need to be held accountable. They need to be made available to the media after the game. They need to be openly fined or suspended when things are incorrect. And let me say that I do think that they get a lot of crap that they don't deserve. At the same time, I think it makes no sense that there's no transparency whatsoever. I think that there needs to be more transparency with that. And I think that they need to be open to be criticized more. And uh, they need to be held accountable for what they're doing. He need, you know, uh, Corrente needs to be held accountable I, for his honestly, poor performances. This is where I kind of differ. I just, I really don't see anything like that. Purposely hip more like you're trying to stop Marsh. and say, hey, I'm throwing Yeah, nothing happened, but what if he tripped Marsh and he tore his ACL? That's absolutely inexcusable. I think he should be suspended for that. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like if, if you back up into a person and they tear their ACL... Was very... Yeah, but what what if something does happen though? Why like why do that? Why not just put your hand on him yeah, and say like, hey, like, like what are you doing? Still, just like backing like up into a person. Well, I just don't understand at all. ACL. I don't know. That's not something. It was like just replaying it. Like it was like a light yeah, but that punch. that was on like, purpose. I, 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 that's what, there's a difference I, I, between I, I doing it on accident and on purpose. Upset about that. Yeah. Missed offsides on the field goal attempt at the end of the game. All right, fair. I mean, fair enough. But um, certainly, there's a lot of other issues to get to in regards to that. Um, yeah, so missed offsides, offsides on the Steelers. At least from what it looked like, um, you know, certain. I never understand why there isn't a camera angle directly over the ball on every play. But uh, whatever the the Bears yeah, those make were no mistake calls. the Bears were lining up yeah. offsides on like a bunch of occasions and from what Max yeah. Starks the, and those, Craig Wolfley have the ones said on the Bears, is that they, they will like warn you like, that was before just, they that actually was throw that, the flag on you for doing that. that. So this is that's something the Bears were doing the constantly. So that is stupidity. Yeah, those were good calls and that's just stupidity on their part in that regard. And another thing to point out is like all the missed false starts. Their tackles were false starting like every play so it's like they got it's i still think that the rest were very much in favor of pittsburgh at the end of the day in this game but like there was missed calls against uh against the bears too as well not that two wrongs make a right but those they didn't get a lot of false start calls and like those tackles man they were false starting so much in this game Yeah, that made no sense. That... Yeah, that made uh, the obvious no call that sense. was incorrect. Like, I don't know what the, the ref saw. He barely even made contact. Uh, low chop block on TJ Watt, Watt which was not outside the tight end box. It was inside the tight end box, and that took a touchdown off the board. That was, I think, that was the most egregious one. To be honest with you. And then there was another instance where Alex Highsmith uh, hit 
uh, Justin Fields late and there was no flag either. Yeah, I'm maybe they uh, maybe I'll, it's something I'm I'll not start saying I'm to bench at the refs upset, more. I'm not saying I'm not upset at I that. Know. I understand the frustration, but that it seems might, to be yeah, the case. Maybe, that's with how Tom Brady gets his calls. Quarterbacks, oh, the they don't older veterans get their calls. As wrong like, as that hey, is, that's guys hitting me. I feel like that's pay attention. an isolated thing. Like, maybe yeah. it feels like that makes yeah, a difference, sure. doesn't it? They're bad, and they should feel bad. Ben didn't used to get those calls, and he does certainly more these days than he did 10 okay. years ago. All right, fair. I guess it's it's a little rough to ask one week for Kenny. Any other thoughts on the officiating uh, this game in general? Update from Dove Kleiman. Uh, the Panthers will start P.J. Walker this week. Yeah, All so right, there are um, let's move into NFL news. Uh, his a couple camp. things we uh, didn't get to. Patriots, Odell Beckham Jr. Actually, really, the only thing we didn't get to. Odell Beckham Jr., who was waived, was not claimed. Uh, it seems to be, though, that he said there's apparently the 18 teams are that are not interested in him. We want to touch on that a bit. Really? I mean, he still hasn't made a decision. It seems like the front runners right now are the Packers, Patriots, Saints, and Chiefs. The Packers are the only ones that have their offer reported. They offer the veteran minimum, apparently. And someone reported, I forget who said it, that they don't even really want to sign him. They just wanted to say that they put in the effort. So they really made a low-ball offer just to throw it out there. So I think the Packers are going to end up losing out on this. But the Packers were, like, where the first team that was originally said. Then the Patriots are making a late push. It's tough to say where he's going to go now. It's really... It, uh, I think there might be a bidding war going on currently as he makes his choice. They said he's waiting till Sunday. Uh after the game is on Sunday to make his choice, but we'll see if he makes makes a choice a little bit earlier. Oh, it's yeah. kind of interesting because it depends on what he's looking for. Is he looking to be the guy somewhere? Is he looking to chase a ring? What is it? Because if he's looking to be the number one guy, I think that makes it quite <clears throat> quite obvious where he should go. He should go to the Saints. That's a team that, that he'd be number one there. Yeah, I mean, if all these right teams away. have actually sent him an now, offer, if he it's wants not guaranteed to win, they might have checked in. The Packers like, or Chiefs uh, would he's be the got two teams I'd think about. Solid and then there's also the Raiders who I mean, need the another receiver too. So there's, the bills now, he's got some interesting choices, and it depends on what he's mostly looking for. Basically running away with their division but he wouldn't be the number one there uh he would be the number one wide receiver in the patriots i'm not sure he'd be the number one pass catcher but uh he'd be the number one there saints definitely number one but i don't know if he wants that and the saints are kind of turning down with trevor simeon Taysom hill that's not fun chiefs patrick mahomes is solid he wouldn't even be he wouldn't even be the second option though he'd become option three there so a lot of decisions to make Okay. Sure. <laughs> I, I I believe it. Uh, according to Pro Football Talk, the Chiefs have emerged as a perceived favorite as of uh, 12 hours ago. I, I still hold that. I think he's best on a team that doesn't need him to be the first option. 
and they definitely need a third option. He definitely could help some teams. I know I've been quite against him lately, but I do think that no, there's a spot so. for him where he could help. Oh. We didn't do the uh, Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. Any other, uh, any other, anything else we want to get to before we close this one out today? I would like to point out that uh, former Steelers wide receiver, what's up? Oh, all right. Well, uh, real quickly, I'm going to point out that uh, former Steelers receiver Lewis Lips will not be attending the Steelers Hall of Honor ceremonies this upcoming week after he was arrested for DUI uh, this past week weekend. Uh, he issued a statement through the team, quote, I understand the significance of my actions this past weekend, and I want to apologize and take responsibility for what occurred. I have spoken with Art Rooney II and informed him I will not attend the Steelers Hall of Honor ceremonies this weekend. While I am flattered, humbled, and honored to be included for recognition along with the other former players who are also deserving of this special weekend, I do not want to be a distraction. I am committed to working through the consequences of what transpired and will continue to be an active part of the community and the Steelers alumni. So, uh, on one hand, it's very unfortunate, and he made a very bad mistake, but luckily it seems like yeah, no don't one drink else and drive. Uh, it's was just not injured. Smart. Again, just because uh, he didn't kill anyone situation or injure anyone or uh, injure himself. At least it seems like from afar that he is uh, that taking responsibility it won't happen the next for his time. actions. Don't drink and so, drive. Unfortunate situation, but hopefully uh, best-case scenario resulting from it. All right, and then you wanted to get to Thursday Night Football. We have the uh, Baltimore Ravens at the Miami Dolphins. The Ravens are touchdowns, touchdown and a half, so seven and a half point favorites on the road. I will point out that this one made me think twice just because the Ravens are, sorry, the Dolphins I think are a little bit better than I think uh, maybe their record says, and the Ravens are coming yeah, off playing overtime this past I'm going to go with Baltimore covering. So, I just this don't could trust be a sneaky, enough. A uh, sneaky one for Dolphins the Dolphins to have a plus the point situation. Uh, and but I ultimately do like the Ravens really good in, in the second half It would be huge if the Dolphins were able to so win this one. Give me Baltimore to cover. might be close, so I think they're going to pull away in the fourth quarter. One of those games where you just think about the Ravens zero blitzing against that offensive line, and somehow three guys are going to run free instead of one. I don't That's know. Just he was the kind so of game good I last year. Like he was like be. in defensive be... player of the year talk last year. See what's what's odd about the Dolphins is their run defense has been better than their pass defense. They invested all that much in their secondary, and Xavier Howard's given up seven touchdowns this year. Like what happened? Yeah, it's scary. Scary how things change so quick. That double-digit picks, and obviously picks aren't the only thing. Obviously, Trevon Diggs has a bunch of interceptions, but he's getting toasted every week, too. Xavier Howard was legitimately a shutdown corner last year. All right, uh, we'll be back probably on Saturday night. I would like to point out that with the Lions playing, I'm going to try to get my buddy uh, Will 
uh, back they, on the this show is to talk Lions. So, that, that is uh, maybe we can have him on together. We'll see what's going on. But the Max uh, I will be reaching out to him like shortly this to see is if at he can the NFL, come on the show baby. and talk about what's going on with his poor Lions sitting at 0-8. But they're coming off a bye. So, again, do not take the Lions lightly, Austin. The Steelers are going to lose this game. It's guaranteed. I guarantee it. <laughs> And uh, as you predicted not long ago, <laughs> the Steelers would lose this game. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, until next time, thank you as always for listening to the Stronger Than Steel podcast with Austin and John. As always, you can email us at strongerthansteelpodcast at gmail.com with any questions, concerns, or thoughts about the show or the Steelers. You can check out our podcast on YouTube Bye. under the name Stronger Than Steel Podcast. And you can always check us out on our new home, anchor.fm slash stronger than steel. Until next time, thank you for joining us on today's podcast. And uh, we hope you tune in for our next one, hopefully later this week. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Stronger Than Steel Podcast. Take care, everybody. You have been listening to Stronger Than Steel Podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and don't forget to check out our website listed in the description below.